Thank you, Rick. Nancy, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't know about you, but despite my best efforts, when March rolls around and daylight saving time comes, I never get to bed an hour early to make up for it. I always lose that hour of sleep. You probably did too. And if you planned on making up that hour of sleep during this morning's sermon, you're out of luck. Because <laughs> I'm not going to preach an hour, but we'll turn off the lights and leave quietly if you want to. Really, it's an irritation to me as to when they set that up. They figured the most disposable day was Sunday. Everybody had a better idea. Why not right after lunch on Friday, turn the clock up and you get off work early? That'd be a wonderful thing. But you came to church, and I'm glad that you did, and I appreciate your effort to, to come to church. Also, let me mention the backpack ministry again. I want to say I appreciate the Magnolia Junior Charity League for taking this over for several years. Uh, our church and uh, the Methodist Church in Emerson pretty well took the lead in this. We were uh, contacted by some educators, some teachers down at the elementary school. The Rice Depot did that program, and then they just dropped it. And I appreciate the educators that were so concerned about the kids that they saw that depended on those meals. And then the weekend came and they didn't have anything. And they contacted us and said, could you do something? And we said, well, we'll yes, we can do something. If you remember, we would take offerings pretty regular and we would buy things at retail and put those bags together and send them to the school. And then the Harvest Regional Food Bank got on board, and that helped us out because we didn't have to buy things at retail. And then the Magnolia Junior Charity League got on board and took this over. But I would still say uh, we want to help them out because this is part of our responsibility as the body of Christ to be a witness in this community and how much it means to those youngsters. Now, a lot of these kids, I admit, are in a bad way because irresponsible decisions and lifestyles by the adults in their lives. They didn't ask for that, and that's not their fault. So we try the best we can. So there'll be guys at each door today and next week, and anything that you can give will help out with uh, sharing the love of Christ with others around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." And whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not 
of us. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word, and we ask that you would make your message to us clear this morning. We all need to hear from you, and we ask that you would help us to understand your word for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you realize we preached from this very same passage of Scripture last Sunday. And I have to admit, last Sunday's message was not the message I intended to bring as I looked at this passage of Scripture. But as I looked at this passage of Scripture, I realized there was a wealth of truth in the opening verses of why we faint not even in the trials of life. And I, I got caught up looking at that and thought, well, we need to share that. But the passage of Scripture, the verse I wanted to zero in on last week, but got detained by another beautiful truth, is in verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In this passage of Scripture, we have some good news but we got some bad news. But then we have some better news. So we start with the good news. We have this treasure. He said that. That's the good news. We have this treasure. Treasure is always interesting. People look for treasure. I know that the, uh, the Magnolia Blossom Festival is coming up and they have that hidden treasure with all the clues. People walking all over town, turning over flower pots, looking for the treasure. Uh, the Purple Hole Pea Festival. We have our own treasure. People start looking around. Oh, it gets even better than that. Some people devote their entire lives to looking for treasure. Uh, there's this legend about Billy the Kid and some of these other outlaws that buried some treasure out in the western deserts. People look for it all the time. They read books. They find maps and so forth. Uh, there's also people who look for shunken, sunken shipwrecks. Look for treasure. They spend lots of money looking for treasure. I've got a metal detector. I saw that uh, television show about the guys who find all this stuff with a metal detector. Oh, they find all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you what you'll normally find with a metal detector. Nails. <laughs> but I, I have, a long time ago I had a metal detector, found a few coins and so forth, but, but they look for treasure. And of course, this is, this is a pretty common thing but the lottery, people looking for treasure, aren't they? People are interested in treasure. But now, the verse of Scripture doesn't just say we have treasure in earthen vessels. He says specifically we have this treasure, which tells me that he's referring back to something else that he's already mentioned. What could that be? Because I'm interested in treasure. We have this treasure. When in the preceding verse, if you'll look, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light, listen to this, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure, this treasure, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's treasure. But, but there's another treasure. We have also, if you look back in verse uh, 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light 
of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We have this treasure, the light of the gospel of Christ. Didn't Jesus say, you are the light of the world? He was talking to his people. Let that light shine before men. So we understand the light of the gospel is treasure. But then he says specifically in verse 3, if our gospel be hid. The word gospel means good news. Now treasure is typically something that is valuable and rare. Now I would say in this world that we live in today, good news is rare, isn't it? And it is valuable. But there is some good news in Jesus Christ. The gospel story of the love of Jesus Christ. That is good news. That is treasure. But we back up a little bit more. Verse 2. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The word of God is indeed a treasure. In the book of Psalms 19, it says, The word of God is better than gold and sweeter than honey. In the 119th Psalm, he goes even further, says the word of God is better than thousands of gold and silver. The word of God more precious than thousands of gold and silver. We don't realize that in our country, and in our generation. Because the word of God is so prevalent. And I'm thankful for that. Every house has Bibles, plural. But if you go over to mainland China, they're not allowed to own a Bible. And there are times where people smuggle Bibles in. They'll open those boxes or those suitcases of Bibles. And those Chinese Christians will take that Bible and they're weeping kissing it and holding it. They're so thrilled to get a Bible, just a scrap of it, just a page of it. It's a treasure. It's indeed a treasure that sometimes we overlook, but it indeed is precious. But then back in verse one, he says, seeing we have this ministry, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The ministry, of course, is the service that God has given all of us to do. Our life, our service to the Lord. Quite specifically, he was talking about this ministry, talking about his ministry in preaching. So we have five things. The knowledge of God's glory, the light of the gospel, and the gospel itself, the word of God in this ministry. All of these things have one thing in common. And there's where we can point at the treasure. And that is the gospel. You see, the light of God's glory is the gospel, as we saw in the, in the next verses. The light of God's glory is the gospel. And the word of God brings the gospel. Now, Peter said it this way, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, he said, All flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And then listen to this. This is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. So when he talks about the word of God being precious, it is all wrapped up in the gospel. 
The treasure is the gospel. We have this treasure, and the treasure we have as humanity is the gospel. It's a treasure because of its origin. What is the origin of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It all goes back to the love of God. You see, the love of God is the origin of the gospel. Jesus said it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news of the gospel. But the origin of that is because God so loved the world. Jesus said it this way, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. So the gospel is a treasure because of its beginnings, because of its origin. But the gospel is a treasure also because of its result. We have this treasure. And when the gospel is in my life, that's a treasure because of what it is done. There's a contrast to where we are without the gospel and where we are with the gospel. Passage of scripture, I believe I may have read it even last week in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Here's where we were without the gospel, the apostle Paul says. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Where were we without the gospel, without strength? For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. God shows, commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The origin of the gospel. But then let's look at the result. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We're justified by his blood. We're reconciled to God. We're saved by his life. That's the result of the gospel. We're reconciled to God where before we were enemies with God. Much more than that. Not only reconciled, but we're adopted into the family of God. We're enemies of God. And then through the good news of the gospel, the treasure of the gospel, we become sons of God. As many as believed in his name gave he the power to become the children of God. The first chapter of John. In Romans chapter 8 verse 15, he's given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, we can call the maker of the universe, Daddy. Because of the treasure of the gospel. We started out as enemies of God. And now we're children of God in the family of God. We have, because of the gospel, new life, new hope, and a new future home. Just a few verses from where we started with the treasure of the gospel. Chapter 5, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It changes everything. It changes everything. 
Because the gospel is in our life, we know the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death has lost its sting. Death is not final. There's a future home of unimaginable glory awaiting us. That's the treasure of the gospel. The gospel's a treasure because of where it started. The gospel's a treasure is where it finishes its work in our life. It is an unspeakable treasure. That's the good news. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's the bad news. Earthen vessels. Now, earthen vessels is the old King James for a clay jar, a jar of clay. Now, as familiar at the time, earthen vessels or clay jars really are something we probably have to look for examples. But in the time in which Paul wrote, clay jars were very, very common. Every culture made clay pots, clay jars, made them by the millions. They were common in that there were so many of them. They were common in that they were very, very plain. There was not much to look at. And it could be a clay jar, a clay pot, a clay bottle, big clay jug, any, and, uh, and sometimes even vessels to make into lamps. They were all made out of clay. Every house was filled with clay artifacts. In fact, that's how archaeologists can see if a civilization was in a particular place as they begin to sift among stones and pebbles. If they see a shard of pottery, it's unmistakable. They know that people were there because they were so common. Every culture had them. They were inexpensive. They were inexpensive. They were cheap. Every family could obtain them. The poorest of family had clay pots. But also we understand they were breakable. In fact, as I mentioned before, most archaeologists never find a whole clay pot. They're always broken up. Bits and pieces and fragments everywhere. Broken pieces because clay jars were just breakable. And, and Paul said this, we have this treasure in a clay jar. Now, what was he talking about? Do people keep the gospel on a shelf in a clay jar? No. We're the clay pot. Paul was speaking the truth about all of us. We are clay jars. And without the treasure inside, our lives are empty. And without the treasure inside, our lives are without much purpose. In fact, without the treasure inside, people don't find a lot of worth in life because their lives are empty. However, with the treasure, a common, fragile, plain clay pot becomes something special. And there's the lesson about finding purpose in life. Your life can become special with the treasure inside. Now, I have to admit, when we talk about clay pots and clay, clay jars, I would have to go find something that's probably unfamiliar because we don't have that much. Maybe you have a clay flower pot, and that's about it. But I do have something that's familiar to me 
and probably familiar to a lot of you. Now, some of you younger people coming up, you, you will not have seen this on the grocery store shelves, but let me just show you what I brought today. I have a gallon jar, glass gallon jar. People nodding their heads. Got the little plain lid on it. All right, glass gallon jar. My parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents' generation used these by the hundreds. This is what things came in. This is what pickles came in, vegetables came in. A lot of things came in these. And if you go anywhere where there's a gully or a ravine, anywhere around here, I can take you to two or three within walking distance of here, there are hundreds of these thrown away. They were cheap. They were breakable. You used it. You threw it out. In fact, my brother and I got to where we, we found an old ravine, had a lot of stuff in it. We started bottle collecting. We would start looking for old bottles. You would have to sift through these. We didn't, we didn't want these. In fact, when you're a junior high kid, you love to hear glass break. So we would find one of these that were whole. What would we do? We would break it. We would break it. I remember one time I found one of it laying on its side. Of course, it had been covered up with debris and everything, and I couldn't see inside of it. And so I began to move it around, and I think a four-foot chicken snake ran out of it. <laughs> but they were cheap. They were trash. People threw them away, and you'll find them not too far from here, and you probably know where you can find some. So there was, there was nothing special about this except, except a couple of glass jars, same type of glass jar we broke and loved to hear the glass break. Let me explain. In my grandmother's house, Mama Rogers, there was a jar just like this up in the pie safe. Now that's just a cabinet they called the pie safe. And she would put homemade ginger cookies in this jar. She would make them up on a, on a big sheet and just slice them up square. And the first thing we would do when we went to Mama and Papa's house, we would go find this jar and we would unscrew it and reach in there and get that cookie. My other grandmama, we called her Mama Goble, she had a similar jar in her house. Same old plain glass jar, but there was a treasure inside, wasn't it? And this glass jar was precious. To us, it was just enormously wonderful. It was enormously special. What made it special? Two things, and don't miss this. Who it belonged to and what was inside. Now, what will make your life special? Who you belong to and what's inside. And you see, he wants to make that out of your life and mine. And an ordinary old glass jar with a lid on it became magic. God can do that with your life because when we're willing to give him ownership of our lives, he'll do far more with it. And he'll put something special in there, and that's the gospel. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the love of God is shining in our hearts. All of this is possible. Now, all of us are clay jars. And the reason Paul said that is because 
It's easy to get scratched, chipped, broken. Sometimes the events of life knock us around. Illness, grief, disappointments. We get scratched and chipped and cracked. Some of these chips and scratches are visible. People see our hurts. People know what we've been through. But a lot of them, nobody sees. We see them. And a lot of them, we bring on ourselves. I don't know of anything that brings any more regret than the chips and the scratches and the dings of our mistakes, of our failures. So a lot of times our lives are all scarred up because of our, our sins, our mistakes, our regrets. So we're all chipped up. We're all broken up. We're fragile. We're already scratched up. Not much to look at. But the beautiful thing is, God loves us anyway. In the 103rd Psalm, verse 13, David is honest about some things. And he says, similar to what Paul said about our lives, the 103rd Psalm, verse 14. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knows our frame and remembers we're dust. You think you're aware of your fragile nature and your frailties and your weaknesses and your mistakes and your cracks and your chips? God knows every one of them. God knows all of them. He remembers our frame and remembers that we're what? Dust. You know what clay is? Dust and water. He remembers that we're dust. But look at, the, look at the verse before that. Like a father pitieth his children. Now we look at that word and that's an old English word and we think God's, God's feeling sorry for us. Look at those pitiful people. The word actually in the Hebrew is this. God cherishes us. Even though he knows every scratch, every stain, every chip, every crack. He cherishes us. He knows our frame. And God loves us. Chips, scratches, and all. He loves you. But here's what he wants to do. God wants to take this old beat up, scratched up clay jar of our life. Put something special inside of it. And when he puts something special inside of it. It's of more worth than it could ever be by itself. This jar was something we just broke for the fun of it. Except for the jar in Mamaw's house. Because of who it belonged to and what was in it. And God wants to make the same change in your life. As we prepare for the invitation of him... Don't know what may be going on in your life. You may be in this building with some bumps and bruises and scratches you need to talk to God about. God loves you and God knows about them. You may be sitting in this building with some bumps and chips and cracks and you think, I did this to myself. 
God still wants to know about it and God still loves you and God wants to take those stains away and even with our broken pieces of our broken lives, God could put something special inside and make something special out of you. But God is waiting on you to come and let him do it as we stand and sing. Number one.